she's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. For most of our lives, as introverts, we've been struggling to live in an extroverted world. So it's kind of like the tables have turned for yeah. a short moment. And I feel for you, extroverts. I, I know how hard it is, because yeah. it's my freaking life. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm in a realm that I'm really interested in and comfortable about, which is why this podcast works so well for me, because I can talk... I'll talk forever if you get me on something I'm interested about. I will. (laughs) I think also this idea of we all have a place in like this bigger puzzle and it's helping me be humble because if everyone else is a piece of the puzzle, I'm also just a piece of the puzzle. You know, like I'm not the shit and everyone <laughs> else is helping me along. You know, it's like I'm just the same. You know, it's like kind of puts you down a peg in, yeah. in a good way. Humility. It, it, yeah. it really makes you more humble, I think. Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Hola, como estas? Bienvenido. <laughs> and Alistair exhausted Spanish. <laughs> Living in Guatemala for five months, that's about how much we've got. Mucho gusto. <laughs> we actually never say that. I do. I you do? do? <laughs> you don't meet that many people. Hey, hey, you don't know about my social life. Shit, <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> Actually, this is a great segue. What are we talking about today? Talking about the introvert-extrovert divide and why it's helpful to understand these two different realms. It's something we talk about a lot, but we realize we've never really defined it. And Um, yeah, done an episode on this particular topic, which we are so fond of. I think uh, whether you fall on the introverted side or on the extroverted side, you're going to find a lot of value in this episode. Uh, It was a really fun one for us to record. Yeah. So uh, let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Julie Roxanne. Good morning, Alistair. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) We've been saying good morning. I always think, like, what if they're listening to this at night? It's yeah. about uh, where we're at. No, right we-, <laughs> <laughs> we can't anticipate where everyone else is at. That's crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. You're right. You're right. Julie Roxanne, we have a quick shout out to make before we get into this episode. Yes. And it's an exciting one. It's a really exciting one. Yes. We got two new patrons. Yes. And their names are Michael and Michelle. And they, they have signed up to the Pioneer Tier which gives you exclusive access to the Toodles Tribe. They are part of the Toodles Tribe. They are part of the Toodles Tribe. It's we actually exciting. had our first meeting of the Toodles Tribe we did. a few weeks ago. And it wasn't just us. It wasn't just us. <laughs> 
We would have done it, the two of us. But no, we actually had a soup. we had a nice small group yeah. uh, in the Toodles Tribe. And yes. let me tell you, they're awesome people. And you want to be in that group. <laughs> Yes. You want to be in that group. <laughs> yes, we've had uh, comments that it should be named the Toodles Club. and uh, we Actually, one person's holding out. Uh, his name's Lou Redmond, <laughs> and he's holding out until we call it Toodles Club to join. But then there's no alliteration, <laughs> and I don't think Lou understands this. So we're going to, you know what? We're walking away from that. We're going to walk away from that money. We don't care because this is more important than money. This is the Toodles Trap. TT, baby. TT. Yeah. So part of what pioneers get when they when they get on is, first of all, a huge shout out. And a just a like, big hug, a lot of love because it's freaking amazing massive that you're out you. there and you're supporting us and you're helping us. And you know what? It really is important today because we just broke our mic tripod. Oh. And now we have the money to replace that. <laughs> but Amazon doesn't deliver here. Those are details. <laughs> I'm trying to make them feel good about their... No, it's true. It's true. No, supporting the podcast is going through to the many costs that we have to yeah, put this podcast yeah. together, which we are happy to cover. Our, but our sound engineer, Arush, can keep the lights on where, where he lives. You know, we're able to... <laughs> I'm just messing. But yes. anyway, it really does help. So thank you. Thank and you so much. And this, you know, thank you to all our patrons. This is just. A yes. It's size- actually starting to be a, a, a nice, sizable group. Yeah. It's looking like something. It blows my mind every time someone chooses to support the podcast. Yes. It really does. Yes. So thank you to all of you. And that thank are you, Mike and Michelle. Yes, Mike and Michelle. So we have something special for you. Actually, this isn't even part of your, your tier. Um, <laughs> we thought it was. We forgot. But, but w- So we're going to answer question that, for, they, asked that they asked us because that's uh that is a perk you can get uh and they asked us what if we're familiar with jordan b peterson and what our take is on jordan b peterson so i read that email and i just thought it was hilarious because alistair has been obsessed with what who i call jbp jbp He's been obsessed and he's been watching lectures by him for a few months now. Yeah. Yeah. I got into him after I watched him do three debates with Sam Harris because I appreciate Sam Harris. Although I remember those times you looked at me with weird eyes at the end. Yeah. Because each of those debates are like three hours long (laughs) and crazy. And I watched all three of them and it's like, what's going on in my life? What am I doing? Uh, But I watched him and I really got into Jordan B. Peterson because Jordan B. Peterson, if you don't know, He's really blown up probably in the last five years, uh, maybe more. Um, he's written a couple books. One of them's called Maps of Meaning or something like that. And the other one's like 13 Rules or 12 Rules for Life. He's a psychologist by background. He And he was very influenced by Carl Jung and, and uh, depth psychology. But he has a very broad background. And he's a practicing clinical psychologist. He's also somewhat of a philosopher, as the best psychologists always are. And he's a he's a he's a faculty member over. I think he's at the University of Toronto. He's in Canada. Yeah, it's in I Canada. Know. I think it's the University of Toronto. Anyway, he's really interesting. He has some pretty interesting perspectives on things. He's gone through a lot of depression in his own life, and I tend to value that because I think it does bring a depth and a different perspective. And I haven't read his book. Map maps of meaning or whatever it is yet, but it's on my Audible. I started it. It's like thirty hours. Oh my god! So, uh, I started it and then I, I put it down. It wasn't ready. <laughs> but I have been going through one of his college courses. He he's filmed and mic'd up for some of his college courses, like all of his lectures throughout the course. Mm-hmm. 
And he's done that for at least three uh, Maps of Meaning, which is around his book and the content in his book. But he also did it for uh, like the History of Personality, mm. which is a college course. And I've been working my way through it. There's like 22 lectures and they vary from an hour to like an hour and a half, two hours. And I think I'm on lecture 13 or 14. It is phenomenal. Alistair's obsessed. It's He's, really great. He really, really enjoys it. And Jordan B. Peterson's an amazing lecturer. So I would highly recommend you go on YouTube. You can find that for free. It's I think it's called like Course on Personality or something. Just type in Jordan B. Peterson personality course and you can take a full free college course on the development of personality as kind of a, a soft science. I do not do that in my spare time. I do not watch college <laughs> courses in my spare time. Not at this stage in my life, at least, but I have listened to pieces of it with you. And he is an incredible lecturer. Really, really cool. interesting. He goes all over the place. He's an entertainer almost yeah. as, a, as a lecturer. And like the and depth the, of his understanding. The breadth and depth yeah. of his understanding is incredible. And if you really want to get a picture of like psychology, and where we've been in like all the different areas, he's a really great resource for that. And I think he has a very, a very inspiring um, perspective that will give you a lot to think about. Uh, and so, yeah, that's my take on Jordan B. Peterson. I really love him. Yeah. So there you go. Great Mike question. and Michelle. Yeah, I'm you, guessing that was more a Mike question than a Michelle yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It was it was great to throw that one in. And uh, the last thing right. that we always do, and you might remember we did that around Christmas when the other pioneer joined our, our Toodles tribe. It's time for a song about yeah. Mike and Michelle. It's time for a song. And uh, we're going to use our new uh, shamanic drum, which we've called the, the moon drum. It's uh, my birthday gift. It, it was Joe Jackson's <laughs> birthday gift. So we'll keep we it short and sweet. <clears throat> retreat so a lot of our stuff are a little uh, inspired yeah yeah there's a lot of that going on there's a lot of, there's a lot of drumming going on in ayahuasca retreats and it's amazing and by the way so we've been back for a couple weeks now and we're in the integration period <laughs> uh, we're still not there's some restrictions still around the dieta because you have a special dieta before during and after to kind of help you be with yourself and integrate things i'm coming up on i got one more week but It'll be five weeks of no sexual activity, including nothing, no, no sexual activity at all. There's no Even masturbation. With himself, yes, yeah. nothing. <laughs> and uh, I had to do it for a week before, and then through the retreat, and then like you have to do it for well, fifteen to thirty days after the retreat if you do the shamanic dieta, which I did. You will hear about all of this in a deep conversation that we had. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. So but all you need to know right. now is I'm on week four. Of five weeks of total abstinence, and I'm struggling. It's hard. <laughs> it's really killing me. So, yeah. Certain days are harder than others. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, let's actually get into the meat of today's episode. What we're going to talk about. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like those long intros where we have a few updates to give. They're always nice. Oh, I love when we have updates because that usually means we have a review <laughs> or we have a new patron. And that's, that's awesome. Feeling so blessed. Honestly, this is magical. Yeah. This episode is actually kind of like impromptu and we didn't really think we would do it or we would publish it today. But uh, I talked to my sister-in-law recently. So you're our sister-in-law. Um your brother's wife, Emily, who we love and adore. And uh, we already mentioned Emily on the podcast a few a few uh, months ago. And she was telling me how she's feeling right now in this whole quarantine isolation thing that's going on. And before the quarantine, uh, so Emily is an extrovert. And before the quarantine, she was teaching high school. Uh, she's a biology teacher. She was training the lacrosse team or coaching the lacrosse team. And she was on weekends also working at a winery to, you know, cause just because she likes it. And all of a sudden she went from that to absolutely nothing, staying at home with the cats and her husband when he's here. And she was telling me that it's been a little bit of a struggle that, uh, and, and she actually gave me a number of, Before this, on an average day, she would meet, she would encounter about 240 people that she knows. Mind-boggling. I, she said that to me, and that is when it sunk in. Because she said that to me, I realized that sounded like a nightmare for me to imagine this life. But it really brought it home for me to realize, wow, if if that was my life, if if I derived energy from being with in contact with so many people each day and all of a sudden my life is at home and the only distraction that I have outside of my home is going to Whole Foods to shop, I would lose my mind. Like that would be really scary and intense. Yeah. And uh, the, the funny part about this is my brother, her her husband is a uh, raging heart, introvert. Raging introvert. <laughs> and, and so all this is happening and she had to explain it to him because he's living his dream life like his life hasn't changed his life hasn't much. changed at all yeah. you know he goes to work as a lab technician <laughs> he comes home and he paints models and like life goes on <laughs> nothing's changed as far as Chris is concerned <laughs> Emily had to actually like spell it out to him what a big change it was for her <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah and he was like well I guess I didn't really think about it that way <laughs> <laughs> nice one Chris nice <laughs> Alistair's always taking a jab at his brother <laughs> it's the younger brother it's okay it's but like this is this is funny to us but there but before th we go on I've been asked I asked Emily if we could share this story and I've been asked to redeem her because in an episode a few months ago Alistair made a comment about how we stayed at their house and we cleaned their house because it wasn't clean or something oh, like boy. that, which didn't go so well. And I will, I will agree. This was not the best comment. And, and I got in a little Alistair bit of trouble. Be, uh, yeah. And uh, understandable, understandable. But I've been told to say that not only was that not true at the time, like the house was, you know, clean, but the house is now very clean. And she also got a carpet cleaner. That's wow. what she told me to say on this podcast today for the record. So setting the record straight, Emily's <laughs> house is clean. That's not the point of this episode. We wanted to talk. This actually led us to think about like feeling the pain of the extroverts right now. Well, yeah, because I've had a similar experience with my business partner, Kelly, because she is also a raging extrovert yeah. and her life has also been flipped upside down. Yeah. All the things she was doing, she can't do anymore. Yeah. And she's in her house and it's just her. And her partner, Lou. 
And so like similar situation, like with Emily, she went from 240 people she knows to just Chris. <laughs> and that would be tough for anybody. No, but- <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough brother jabs. That's enough, but that was a good one. Anyway, so, but we, we're kind of laughing at this whole situation because it's really flipped the whole introvert-extrovert thing, like, upside down. Yes. And usually, like right now, extroverts are struggling to live in an introverted world. Yes. And they're being forced to. And we find this comical because... For most of our lives as introverts, we've been struggling to live in an extroverted world. So it's kind of like the tables have turned for yeah. a short moment. And I feel for you, extroverts. I, I know how hard it is because yeah. it's my freaking life. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I really, so the first thing that I thought with this 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 story is it gave me a lot more compassion for the extroverts. Because honestly, this is something that we keep saying is our life haven't changed that much. Like almost not at all. We can. There's only a couple of days that we can go to the market, and we're not allowed to go out after four o'clock in the afternoon. Which we which usually didn't never do anyways, unless yeah. I was going for a walk. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I'm missing is sunset walks. But mm-hmm. like, it, our lives haven't changed that much, and and I think for a lot of introverts out there, that's the case. You know, like we've heard this. I've heard this from many different introverts, many different sources of my life hasn't changed that much. Like, yeah. There's nothing, is there something going on? Yeah. Like, if you're, you might, there, there seem to be a lot of memes going on in like kind of like the Instagram blogosphere, you know, it's like yeah. time of the introverts. Yeah. Just, introverts rise. It's time, you know, it's our time to shine. We're living the dream and it's not going to last very long. No, we, we know this. We, we know, know this. we're going to go back to an extroverted world. That's just, that's, that's how it is. But yeah. it's, it gave me a, an appreciation for extra struggling it gave me more of an understanding of of probably you know that that they really enjoy the ability to go and do a bunch of things in the day when that sounds really tough and terrible for me so we talk about introverts and we kind of jokingly bash on extroverts here and there all the time on the show there's kind of background and a history to this. And we realized we weren't sure if we've really talked about it. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we'd talk about it a little bit more because in understanding this introvert-extrovert divide is useful for everyone. If you're extroverted or if you're introverted, this is useful to understand. And I felt like kind of late to the game. I didn't really realize, you know, I hear the word introvert thrown around, I hear extrovert, but I, I'd never really considered it much mm. uh, or how it, what it meant for me in my life. Until Susan Cain's book, Quiet. Yeah, came I was out. just gonna scream at the top of my lungs, Susan Cain! Like I, that I book read is that the book Bible. three times. The, it it was really my awakening into introversion. And it goes, and you might see a thread here because introversion was a word that was really coined or sketched out. I mean, they're probably it was probably kind of around, but it came mainstream from Carl Jung. Carl. And this is why this is why you probably hear his name come up a lot on this podcast, too, is because he was really the one that kind of defined introvert, extrovert, and and really uh, brought that trait to the mainstream. And since then, you know, this is how I ended up going down a lot of different rabbit holes, one of them being kind of Jungian typology. By the way, we're launching a typology workshop right now. It's yeah. going to start on Saturday this week, Saturday, I think it's the 18th of April. I th- yes, I so. yes. Yeah, there's going to be more information at the end of this episode about that. But we're going to be talking, we're going to go a deep dive. It's going to be about understanding yourself, learning how to manage yourself, 
and what that means for your relations in the world. It's going to be a deep dive into introversion and extroversion, and also a lot of other traits related to the MBTI typology and Jungian typology. More information about that at the end of this podcast. If you're interested, reach out. We're signing people up. You can come in even after the first workshop. If you hear this a little bit late after the first day, it's going to be a six-week workshop. We're going to go in depth. Anyway, understanding this difference can have really major effects. And maybe we should start by defining Yeah, I was going to ask you, can you, can you <clears throat> define extroversion? Okay, so a really back-of-the-envelope way to define this, if you're asking, am I more... Okay, for, first we should say this is a preference. This is an attitude, a preferred attitude. So you, you can't be 100% introvert. You would be, you would be uh, pathological and vice versa with extrovert. So thinking in terms of I'm either an introvert or only an extrovert is, is not, very, not very good thinking. Also, you know, you're probably not an ambivert. Uh, this idea that there's an ambivert. If you get deeper into this, yeah. you learn that you have extroverted ways of being in the world and you have introverted, but you have definite preferences depending on what you're doing. So it gets a little bit more in depth. But and for, there are kind of degrees too. You can be very extroverted it's a spectrum or not. As well. yeah, it's yeah. spectrum. So this gets a bit more complex and dynamic than just introvert, extrovert. But we're just going to talk about it as like, okay, all of us do have a dominant preferred attitude one way or the other. And for Julie Roxanne and I, it's very, very far on the introverted spectrum, like really far on the spectrum. Yeah. Alistair more than me. Yeah, me even more than you. Yes. I, I'm like, you know, you can almost not see me on the spectrum. From, from like middle, you look at it and you're like, that dot way down there, that might be Alistair. <laughs> or you might have fallen off the end of the as spectrum. As far away from everyone else as possible. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> anyway, a good definition or at least a good diagnostic for figuring out which one you prefer is... Okay, if you spend a few hours in a large social group, in a large social gathering, are you going to come out of that feeling energized or are you going to come out of that feeling drained? Meaning like you need the next two days to yourself or the next two weeks to yourself before you do something like that again. Or are you going to come out of it pumped and like energized, ready to go and you could do that all the time? Like we all have are going to fall on either side of that. So it's so funny because Alistair framed it that way for me yesterday when we were talking about having this conversation. And while I think it is a good way, it doesn't even compute that some people would answer that they're coming out of a long social interaction with a lot of people energized. I really, like, my brain does not understand. Like, it's like, nah, that, that can't be possible. I know. I wouldn't believe it either if I hadn't seen it happen. Yeah. yeah <laughs> to a couple, yeah. like, close friends. Yeah. That gets at something that I think is really interesting, which is that you start to realize this deep-seated belief or perspective you have about how the world works or how people work is actually much more relative. Mm. It's, it's true for you, but it's not true for everyone. And this is what starts to get really interesting about thinking about introverts and extroverts, not because we want to divide the world up or make two sides or anything like this, but realizing that these are fundamentally different perspectives about going about the world and that they come, you know, if you're an introvert, you're going There's certain ideas, there's certain philosophies, there's certain beliefs, there's certain fears that are going to stick to you more 
that's a way of thinking about it. They're going to be attracted to you. They're, you're going to be receptive to them. Mm-hmm. You're, they're almost going to feel like, oh, duh, that's common sense. That's how the world works. Yeah. And extroverts, uh, there may be different ones. And it gets much more nuanced than this. But let's just keep it at this level because I think it makes it easier to understand. And we'll take those for granted, mm. not realizing that, you know, half or even more of the world actually doesn't see it that way or doesn't even understand and and maybe not even be aware of that perspective because we can can really live in an introverted perspective. It's harder to do that on the introverted side because our Western society is so extroverted. We live in an extroverted Western society. Mm -hmm. Whether you live in Europe, but it really starts to get extremely extroverted when you end up in America, when you end up in in the United States, particularly. That is, it's a very extroverted society. Of course, there are introverted pockets, but in general, the values of the society are extroverted. And so it's really easy if you're an extrovert, easier if you're an extrovert, to not even realize that there are different value sets, different values, unless you run up into them, but you can almost take it for granted that the extroverted point of view is the only point of view and that's dangerous Mm. i think that's also possible on the other side i mean honestly i feel like we are creating a life for ourselves where we can be very oblivious to the fact that i am like oh you mean people actually needed to go to their yoga studio and buy their coffee like i don't like why like you can just stay inside like me and and it then that would be easy and now i'm realizing no it's not and it's probably really hard and going back to what you were sharing about like do you feel energized by being around people I feel energized when I'm by myself and when I get the time to recharge and 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 engage with the world in small doses but I just try to put myself in the extrovert's shoe in this situation we're all currently living right now but it's feel really uninspiring and it must be really hard to stay motivated and to stay inspired when you cannot encounter like you cannot be in contact with people outside of the world yeah it's actually a serious problem if you're highly extroverted because you tend if you're kind of locked up and you don't have the the stimulation from the outside world right that's another way to think about extroversion is that an extrovert their attention and kind of their value structure is on the outside world like they're paying attention to the objective, yeah. to the kind of collective. And, and an introvert, on the other hand, is more interested in the subjective experience and what's going on in their inner world. So the object is secondary. The object kind of provides, it's kind of like the object provides a stimulus for the introvert to then explore feelings or thoughts or ideas or whatever that are going on inside, separate of the object. And then they'll like kind of return to the object. So there's this kind of indirect relationship to the object where the extrovert has a direct relationship. They're feeling, they actually, in a way, are exploring themselves through the object. Their feelings are kind of melded onto the object in a way. So like, it's a much more direct experience for them. And for them, that's totally valid. That is a totally valid way for an introvert. It might feel very shallow. Mm. Uh, It might be, it might feel very kind of scattered and not very deep. Yeah. And, and for an introvert, that's true. But for an extrovert, it's not true. That's actually the best way for them to relate to the world. And it's very rich. And it is how they learn about themselves. Yeah. And so you can start to realize that there's a lot of prejudice, right? And as an introvert, you can project a lot of things onto extroverts that have more to do about your psychology and about you 
than they really have to do about the extrovert. And so you can actually, also not being aware of this, you can go through the world and kind of, and we do this anyway, it's pretty hard not to do this, but you'll kind of devalue or you'll, you'll kind of project these qualities that are not very conscious or strong in yourself or that you don't value very highly on other people and you won't actually see the person uh, mm. behind that. And you won't understand that actually for them, what they're doing makes as much sense as what you're doing for you. And I think that's an interesting point because this is just whether you know about introversion and extroversion or not, there is a divide and it shows up in the way we relate to each other. And like, I think we, we can all tend to, as you said earlier, believe that our way of doing things and our way of perceiving the world and our way of engaging with the world is the only way or the valid way. When in fact, it's the valid way for me or for you, but it it's not for someone else. It, it, like we all have our kind of our zone of genius or what we're good at. And I think you say this a lot in that you were only a second best. Ex, like Yeah, said. I was always second best when I had to extrovert. I do have some extroverting functions. People sometimes actually mistake me as an extrovert, especially if I get on the realm of ideas. And if I'm in a realm that I'm really interested in and comfortable about, which is why this podcast works so well for me, because I can talk, I'll talk forever. If you get me on something I'm interested about, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I just, sometimes I listen and then there's a point where I have to be like, thank you. I really appreciate everything you're sharing, but now we need to, I need to stop. And this is why I'm saying I'm more nuanced than than just extrovert introvert because I'm a hardcore introvert, but I can come off very extroverted in particular domains of my life and when I'm exercising particular functions. And that's also something important to mention is that your introverted ways are not as visible as your extroverted ways by essence. So I think I've also gotten that comment. I remember I said something like that to um, after our wedding reception party uh, in the US last year the party had gone on very long I was really drained I was really exhausted and and it was great to have everyone come but I was really drained at the end and I was saying that to one of the last person who was here that I was an intro I was an introvert and he started laughing like I had made some sort of a joke like you're you're joking you're you're messing with me like you've been talking to me for like ages I'm like yeah but that doesn't mean I don't get drained which is funny because when I first met you I would have made that same mistake and thought you were an extrovert. And so this is true around the board is that, like you said, we can see people's extroverted functions, but the introverted functions, unless you know them really well, Mm. you're not going to see them likely. Because they're introverted, they're subjective, they go inward rather than extroverted functions, which are objective. So then that is you can see, right? Yeah. Because that's in the collective. So this is a, a problem introverts and extroverts all have, but it's particularly problematic for introverts because if you don't understand yourself very well, and then other people will see the side of you too, this extroverted side, which is always going to be kind of second best. It's always, it's not going to be totally natural. It's not going to be your strength. You can do it. Sure. All introverts have to extrovert are kind of forced extrovert in this world. And and there is vice versa. Extroverts are forced introverts somewhat. But I think in general, introverts have to develop their extroverting functions more. They're kind of, most of us are forced to develop them more 
than the other way around mm -hmm. because we live in an extroverted society. And, and, and I mean, even beyond that, you know, as long as you have to engage with other people, which we all have to do, even in a different it's kind of world to get away and culture. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So there's a self-image problem here because if you don't know that you're an introvert, you start, you might start comparing yourself on the way and and what can you see of others like you can see extroverts of like what the you you see their extroverted qualities and they're primary extroverts so that's going to come natural and and well to them but for you what you're doing is kind of you're doing like you're using your left hand if you're a righty yeah yeah and and so and and if you compare on that scale if you compare just on that in that arena you're you're not going to look great you know you are you going to feel not as good as yeah, yeah. And, and you can always get in the, I know that, and I know this is also related to the highly sensitive trait, which, which we've mentioned in a previous episode, but I would get into those modes where I would get really hard on myself because I would see other people around me seem to thrive in like social settings and like having endless energy. And I would be tapped after 15 minutes. And I thought, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Like, yes. what is wrong with me? Yes. And that was exactly the question I also had. And I think a lot of introverts have this question when they don't have a lot of self-awareness or understanding about this particular trait is that you end up comparing to everyone else and you start asking what's wrong with me like there's some deep flaw yeah. with me i cannot like i had a bunch of friends and most of them are extroverts and they'd always go out and do things and like sometimes i didn't want to do that and in that group it was strange yeah you know and so and, and so then you get to become you kind of get put in this outsider role where it's like And you're confused why? Because it's like you like them, you're friends with them, but you can't spend all your time with them, but it seems like they all can. And so then you're separate sometimes. And then there's this weird kind of outsider dynamic that starts to happen. And you're, you, you, you can feel that you're different mm -hmm. and you don't understand why. I think that is that I, something that just sparked for me right now as you were exploring the, the, our own version of the what's wrong with me, the introvert version of the what's wrong with me. I'm realizing extroverts have the same. Also, obviously, we all like this. We're, uh, this is part of our, of our culture is like there's something inherently wrong with us. So we spend our time trying to figure out what's wrong with us. Our shaman on the ayahuasca retreat was saying that while in the East, Suffering comes from a misunderstanding. Like we interpret that suffering comes from a Delusion. misunderstanding of reality in the West. Original sin. Yes. Suffering comes from the original sin and the fact that we're inherently flawed and wrong. So we're that dealing aside, with a puritanical and uh, Catholic baggage. Yeah. That, but yeah. that, that aside, which I thought was like that kind of hit me in the face when he said that. It's a deep problem. Like, even if you think you've shaken that problem, if you're in the West, you haven't. Yeah. And a lot of your thoughts, it's archetypal. And you, you your thoughts tend to end up back there mm -hmm. in ways that are, like, tricky. Yeah. Uh, you don't see. But so, just reflecting back to how are the extroverts also probably feeling that, like, putting myself in, in their shoes and just realizing this is something we've heard from the extroverts listening to this podcast is we place a high value on introspection and getting to know yourself and spending time alone and spending time in silence and spending time without that much distraction. The examined life. Yes, right? the examined life. And I know I've sensed, I don't know how much it was actually said to me, but I've sensed from extroverts in our audience that they 
that they feel like they're not doing good enough, that they're that something's wrong with them because they cannot do that well as well as we do. And, and they don't feel comfortable with being by themselves and like examining their own inner life and blah, blah, blah. Or they, they like the idea of it, but can never get around to it. Yes, exactly. And I think this is such a great example because it's the other version of what we were just talking about. It This is not your primary language. This is not going to be your top strength. And like extroverts have awesome strengths that... Uh, you know, I, I I sometimes would like to have and I don't. And and we all have different strengths. And that's kind of the beauty of this. I'd like to get back to a point we made a, sec- a second ago, because I just I just want to emphasize it again, because I think it's really important, is that if you're not aware of this stuff as an introvert, you're going to likely undervalue yourself and overvalue other extroverts mm-hmm. because it's visible. Yeah. And if you're an extrovert and you're not aware of this stuff, you're likely to undervalue the introverts because you can't see their strengths mm-hmm. in the way that you're used to to kind of measuring things. And uh, you might, in some ways, actually overestimate yourself. I'm not saying that's always what's going on, but th- I'm saying that yeah. it's definitely a risk if you're not aware of these things in certain ways. And maybe I'm more interested, like I'm more focused on the introverted risk of that, which is overvaluing other people and undervaluing yourself and them undervaluing you too. So it creates this like kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because that's exactly what happened to me. That was exactly what happened in my, in my early and mid twenties. And that was the revelation. This is why we talk about introversion so much on this podcast, because it's been so important for both of us in realizing our own strengths and just accepting that like our flaws are not, I mean, in a way, they're universal. They're part of who we are. Yeah. And they're they're a package deal. And other people have other ones. But like realizing that this was not like, oh, there's something really, really wrong with me personally. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, this is something that's more uh m- this is a this is a shortcoming of my type. Mm. And that uh, it's balanced by other strengths. So like realizing the strengths and the shortcomings and starting to be able to accept myself more mm. and to really step into what I was good at. Like that was revolutionary. That was a major, major turning point in my life, which is why it's so important. And I think, you know, I don't know. I would guess that you could definitely have that revelation on the other side. It's just that in our society already values and rewards extroverts to a much higher degree. Yes. And it's just kind of assumed that that's the way to go. So we're kind of the underdogs in this. And we kind of have to have this realization for ourselves just to get back to ourselves, Mm -hmm. just to like reclaim ourselves because we've been trying to be someone we're not for so long. And I think in that way, that's not a dynamic that is as typical in the West for extroverts. They're kind of more well-adjusted and they're they're kind of better situated. Uh, so, So we can go kind of, underappreciated or or it's like what is this big introvert deal like why is this such a big identity piece for introverts you know and it's like because it really mattered man it really changed my life when I really started to understand it yeah it's really it's really interesting to hear you reflect on how much that changed for you because while I can't I think I realized I was an introvert about two and a half years ago three years ago and then I read Susan Cain's book two years ago. So it, I'm kind of still fresh on it. But 
it brought a deep sense of understanding and acceptance that like I didn't even try to get to. I didn't even know I was craving that. But there's been like a relaxation around, oh, man, I don't need to be always, you know, running and trying to get better. And like it, it helped me get rid a little bit of that narrative of what's wrong with me, because let me tell you. It, operating from the narrative of what's wrong with me, what can I do better? How can I improve myself? What am I doing wrong? Is exhausting. Yeah. And it's, fuck, let's, what's right with you? What's right with you? What's right with me? Man, so much, so much is right with me. And like, that has been a huge flip for me. That is where a lot of the relaxation and groundedness that I'm feeling these days comes from because there is no trying to get to another place. This constant self-improvement and what's wrong with me and how can I get better is is so rooted in fear and it's it's terrifying it's, and it's exhausting. It's also rooted in the Western medical model, which is they're asking two questions, right? What's the cause yes. and how do I fix it? That's true. And, and so much of our thinking is is actually that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, and there's other ways to think about things. I want to kind of echo something you said, which is that the self-acceptance means that all of a sudden I don't have to be apologetic for who I am mm. and that I don't have to keep trying, striving to fit in and pushing myself in ways to like kind of put a square peg in a, in a round hole which was exhausting me most of my life and creating a lot of doubt and like uncertainty and some kind of self-hatred. Mm -hmm. And as I've been able to like understand introversion and other aspects of personality, but introversion being one of them, but highly, the highly sensitive trait, the kind of functional, different, different functions that are highlighted in Jungian typology and uh, the Myers-Briggs typology indicator, these being some of the other ones that have been really influential for me, Enneagram to a lesser degree, as I started to understand these things, it meant I could relax into who I was and I didn't have to try to be somebody else. So we've defined what introvert and extroverts are or an, given an idea of how to define that. We've also explored why it's valuable to know to know that about yourself. Whether and to understand this gap. Yes, yes. And and like, it's important to know whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. I think there's a lot to know just from self-knowledge in general. And yeah. There's one more thing on this, on the self-knowledge part that I think is really interesting. If you are reading a lot and if you're exploring philosophies and different perspectives, spiritual perspectives, is just realizing why some will resonate with you more than others mm. is because some will be introverted perspectives. You're going to see that a lot more in spirituality, for example. That's yeah. probably going to be a more or more introverted realm. But And so understanding this, giving you the ability to say, okay, that's probably a more introverted realm. This is more extroverted realm. Or understanding that a particular thinker is probably holds more extroverted values. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Jung was working on this back in the 1920s, uh -huh. when he came out with Psychological Type, which was kind of a landmark book for him that, that really, he was a disciple of Freud and this one really, he was struggling with, he was uh, not only very influenced by Floyd, but he was influenced by Alfred Adler. And they had these two different philosophies for psychology. Freud was uh, all about the kind of Oedipal complex and uh, the repression of the unconscious and all this. But at the core was the sexual drive. And that was a very extroverted uh, perspective of psychology. Mm -hmm. And then Jung saw with Alfred Adler, who was taking the same, he was observing the same phenomenon as Freud. And Alfred Adler had a principle 
that at the core of it, it was a power drive. It's all about power. And Jung was trying to reconcile their attitudes and also his, which was different than both of those mm-hmm. on this. And it's like, what's going on? We're all looking at the same stuff and we're seeing very different things out of it. And also Adler's, if you applied it, was true. Mm-hmm. And Freud's, if you applied it, was true. What was going on? And this is how he came to psychological type. And th- and basically it was him trying to map out different, it was a critical psychology to understand different modes of consciousness and different value structures so that you can navigate them. It's not so you can put one down or say like, oh, this one's better than the other, but just realizing there's fundamental, that at a fundamental level, certain philosophies are at loggerheads with each other and they're axiomatic. You can't reconcile it. And we spend a lot of time trying to reconcile these things that are really base assumptions that you you have to take a priori. And so understanding this for us can help us avoid some of those impossible conflicts and realize that these are valid perspectives. Mm. And and, And it brings a lot more appreciation, but it can also help you really navigate different realms of thought when you can understand, okay, it looks like there's more extroverted values here. Okay, more introverted values here. And you can also see, oh yeah, I definitely relate more to this, but you can you can have some sense of perspective to realize that's not truth of the capital T and I don't need to go and, and like try to bang that into everyone's head. Mm-hmm. It's a perspective that I'm innately going to resonate with more and that I share more of those values. And that's not to say there aren't bad philosophies out there. There's plenty of shit philosophies and perspectives and we need to be critical about that. But there are very powerful philosophies that will be more extroverted and more introverted and I spend a lot of time like struggling with what's truth when they kind of hit each other, yeah. you know, and this helps you kind of understand that these are some level irreconcilable differences, at least right now they are, and that this may be a shortcoming of philosophy uh, and different sorts of thinking is that there's certain assumptions that it seems like we can't get around and you can apply this to people too. But I was gonna like I can't figure out that that would be a shortcoming. I don't even know if there's a way to go to bypass well, that. What I mean we by are... a shortcoming is that we're not omni. Uh, we can't yeah. see it all, right? Yeah, like yeah. I can't, as an introvert, to some level, I'm stuck in an introvert perspective. Yes. I'm going to project things onto other people that's not really there mm-hmm. with an introverted like with that's going to relate to my psychology and I'm going to value things, maybe overvalue things that, that resonate with me. So what I, what I mean by shortcomings that I can't see it objectively, that I cannot actually, there is, this goes back to like quantum physics, right? Which is like, there's no objective observer in the universe. This is kind of a myth. Yeah. Science is a very powerful tool that, but it's also a perspective. Yes. And in a way it's a very extroverted one because it's all about making it objective. Yeah. Uh, and that's a perspective, but that's limited. And and that's another thing, right? Like, so you start to apply these concepts to things like that and you realize, oh, science is not a capital T truth completely. Mm-hmm. It's a perspective and it has its limitations and it has its places that can't go. It's notoriously bad at exploring subjective realms of thought or experience. It's notoriously bad at exploring qualitative uh, measurements. Yeah. Quantitative, great. Super powerful. Gives us a great perspective, a lot of tools. It's been a revolution for us, mm-hmm. but still limited and still 
uh, a particular perspective. This is some of the value of understanding this. Yeah, and I think that's why I brought it up that I don't think it's a shortcoming. I just think this is something we cannot bypass. Like there is no objective observer. And if we start talking about psychology and philosophy, which are more like kind of qualitative murky terrains where we won't, God knows if we'll ever have a true understanding of the capital T truth. There are so many ways to experience the world. And if you go beyond just like extrovert, extrovert, introvert, we all have such different experiences growing up and that shapes our brain, that shapes our our neuro uh, circuitry, that shapes all of that, that shapes our nervous system. We cannot be the same observer. You and I are fundamentally different in a way that we cannot reconcile, even though we're introverts and we probably share similar values around that. Yes, yes, it goes much deeper than that, right? Yes. It's a extremely nuanced and com- complex. Yeah. And any kind of personality metric that we use is limited and and flawed, right? Yes. Because it, it's only going to describe a, a pretty like basic and probably pretty uh rough trait. Mm-hmm. Like these are really not very precise. It's like it's the best we can do. Yeah, it's the best we can do at the moment <laughs> and it might be laughable. Yeah. you know, in the future. Yeah, it might, it might. But I think, so to kind of bring it back more, I think everything you're sharing is also, is related to how we interact with other people, how we interact with other introverts, other extroverts, how that understanding can help us interact in a healthier, wholer, more holistic way. Yeah, so we've kind of talked about uh, how much it can help with our own relationship to ourselves. Yes. But it also can help with a lot with our relationship to others. Because if you realize these kind of things or where there's this divide and there's extrovert introverted values, then you can appreciate the other one even if you don't hold it. It doesn't have to be a fight. You don't have to always win. Yeah. You can get out of this battle and you can start to see ways to... Uh, Collaborate. Yes, thank you. Collaborate. Yeah. It can be more strategic. You can now start to build something together and realize that they have another piece of the puzzle, that they have like an opposite key yeah. for a door that you can't open. Mm. And if you start, that's a really wonderful way to look at the world when you start to see that everyone has complementary gifts and we don't have to compete and that gift's not right because, and this one wrong or like better or worse, yeah. because this is not at the end of the day. Being an introvert or an extrovert, neither one's better. They're just different. And I think this has developed a deep felt, experienced, like experiential appreciation for the diversity of people, experience and thought and values mm-hmm. and just realizing they all have a place. They all have a place. And, uh, and, I'm, and also realizing that I, due to my introverted nature, I'm going to make certain value judgments that are subjective to me and don't are, are not truth or like, and, and I can't help it to some degree. Like I'm going to probably always kind of bash on extroverts a little or like deep because that is my value structure. Yeah, I, yeah. I do value. I'm an introvert. Yeah. So, so to some degree that's going to happen, but as I'm aware of it, I can catch myself more often. I'm not saying I'm going to catch myself all the time. It doesn't fix my problems, but it's a very useful tool for reflecting on our experience because, and as we do that, we tend to act differently in the future. And it's also a very useful tool for like kind of holding back and maybe having some detachment from the situation. I'm not identifying with all those introverted values as like the law. Yeah. And realizing, okay, well, like step back a sec because 
is this also valid? Like it slows you down a little bit and it helps you appreciate other perspectives. And that's led to a real deep appreciation of other people. I think also this idea of we all have a place in like this bigger puzzle and it's helping me be humble because if everyone else is a piece of the puzzle, I'm also just a piece of the puzzle. You know, like I'm not the shit and everyone else is helping me along. You know, it's like I'm just the same. You know, it's like kind of puts you down a bag in, yeah. in a good way. Humility. It, yeah. it really makes you more humble, I think. That, that's been my experience with it. And, you know, this everyone has a place. Well, there, there's some theories about like maybe why introversion and extroversion have developed. And mm. it's kind of speculation, but I think you know, it seems very plausible. Like introverts are slower to act. They're more reflective, right? And extroverts are much faster to act. They're going to, they're more out in the world. They're more, they're more active in a way. They're going to do things much quicker. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see how both of those survival modes on a basic level in, in animals even, and I think that's been measured to some degree, could serve a purpose, right? For the introverts, like a lot of times, Uh, that's probably going to mean that they may not find a sexual mate or that they starve in the winter or whatever, right? So, But sometimes uh, it may be very good to stop and reflect uh, before before doing things. Mm -hmm. And so you can see how on just like a survive, that introverts are more likely probably to preserve themselves Mm -hmm. and live longer Mm -hmm. in some ways, but but maybe less likely to to procreate. Mm -hmm. And extroverts probably had shorter lifespans in the past, but were more likely to proliferate. And so you can see how these were both possible strategies that that might have worked really well. And then from there, you can probably build a case, well, okay, in a, in a society, those would also have functions that would serve the society and be valued. So that seems pretty plausible to me. How how has that shown up for, for you to like team up with, with extroverts? Uh, it's been great. I think also... If you realize this divide, then you can work with people in a much more effective way, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't have to believe what you believe and have the same values. Yeah. And our, my business partner, and I, actually, when I think about it, a former business partner of mine was strongly extroverted. And, uh, and at that time, I was just starting to develop an understanding of this. But, and maybe we were just too incompatible, but we sparks flew all the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would we would complement each other in ways where we'd be extraordinarily effective, but it was really, really more like kind of rolling the dice. Yeah. And most of the time it didn't work out very well. So a lot of energy was kind of lost, mm-hmm. because, I think because neither of us really understood ourselves very well yeah. or each other. But that's changed in my most recent partnership with another extrovert, pretty strong extrovert too, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And and that's over at Ripple Out Retreats, but we've done other stuff too. And she's actually been really instrumental in helping me kind of get my coaching uh, practice off the ground. And I think, it, I think, you know, I won't speak for her, but I think it's gone both ways. But we've learned a lot from each other and we have very different skill sets. Mm-hmm. She is a, she's great at networking. She just makes strong connections. And She's very like persuasive in that way. She's yeah, she's a wonderful connector. She, I don't think she's ever studied sales, but mm-hmm. she's great at sales just naturally. And I really had to study sales to yeah. get good at sales. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great connector. She's an accelerator. She's mm-hmm. fast to move on things and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And these are all things that like I could use some help with. And it's actually, I think, I think this has been true for on both sides, but like on my side, 
she's really pushed my work forward and got it out to a bigger audience, which are things that are really hard for me to do. Yeah. I, I don't like the self-promoting, self-marketing. And she does it kind of naturally. Mm -hmm. And she's also taken on that role, that marketing sales role at Ripple Out Retreats in a way that I never would have wanted to do. And uh, doing a lot of the client work, doing a lot of the admin stuff, doing a lot of the sales and like kind of image of the company. She's very tuned into that. She's tuned into what people are doing. And she's great. She's great at it. And on retreat, she's also tuned into the collective in that way, which allows me not to be. Uh, and allows me to be more kind of the abstract, kind of uh, aloof magician who's like doing weird stuff. But, but so the roles have worked really well. I could see how if I did not understand that, we'd never get to this point of collaboration and we would have gotten stuck. Maybe naturally, of course, naturally, we, we learn these things as well, right? You work with someone and you may not know introversion, extroversion, but you may come to it naturally as well. Mm -hmm. But I think when we know it, it, you can facilitate it a little bit more and it may be a little bit easier or you may save some energy. Uh, you might be able to save a relationship that uh, you, you weren't able to otherwise you're probably able to collaborate more effectively because you know where someone's strengths are going to be. So you kind of stay out of each other's realms. You don't get step on each other's toes, you know? To yeah, I think one thing that comes up for me is still imagining those pieces of the puzzle. You have to know where your gap is, where your hole is. Where your blind spots are. Because otherwise, how do you know... I'm not going to say what to look for because I don't think it's an active thing, but it's almost unconscious. How do you attract the right partner, whether business or life partner, if you don't know where you need the gaps, you know, where, where your gaps are and where you need some strength to fill in those gaps. And uh, despite the fact that we're both introverts and we won't get too deep into this, but there are a lot of our functions in the typology that we love and study and cherish and that Alistair is going to do a, a, a course on very soon, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast, we are very complementary. There are, I have gaps that you fill in with your strength and vice versa. And I think that's ultimately this introvert extrovert divide or any other type of way to understand yourself and others is so powerful to know, okay, I have these weaknesses. I have these blind spots. It's okay to want to strengthen them and to like learn how to do that. But we are interdependent creatures. We cannot thrive on ourselves. This is a myth that you can do it all by yourself. This is just get over that. That's not, that's not true. Especially that's in our true. highly specialized society. It's more of a myth now than ever. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And I think like I find a lot of beauty in knowing what I can ask for and that I can come up to someone and say, Hey, I have this idea. There are things in that idea that I cannot execute because I'm not skilled enough. Help me out on this. And then I will, and in return, you will gain this, you know, and it doesn't always have to be that spelled out, but just knowing how you can approach people to ask for help is powerful. And knowing what you can offer in return yes. and not undervaluing that, right? And realizing that's also valuable uh, for, and, and at least for some, some, some people, right? Yeah. And so really, yeah, you really get to understand it helps you make good partnerships, good deals, yes. good social deals, yes. right? And I really think that like, yeah, we're talking about it as a divide because it is naturally what it is, but it's also an invitation to collaborate, mm -hmm. right? Like I think it actually is an invitation to connect at the end. And so understanding this can help us better bridge that divide. 
Yeah, and, and, uh, and how we can partner and harness each other's strength. Because yes, because that's the beauty of the, it. Ultimately, when you fill in those blind spots for each other, whatever you're doing, you're going to have a better end product mm -hmm. or a better offering service or whatever it is. If you can find others that compliment you and see things you don't, and that kind of that creative tension that happens from having to like really hash out, like having to consider other perspectives yeah. and not get too inflated in your own, all that can lead to magic, right? The Beatles were better as the Beatles yes. than John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Mm -hmm. Paul McCartney probably was an extrovert and uh. John Lennon was probably an introvert. <laughs> I mean, that, that seems pretty obvious. Yeah. And yeah, okay, Ringo Starr. I mean, could have been anybody. Oh, <laughs> Alistair has something with Ringo Starr. I, I don't like, okay. I, don't, I don't really like him um, very much. George Harrison, he was pretty cool, but Ringo, anyway. I think it's because I saw Ringo's band later. I don't know. Go look at it. Ringo had a band, like, I don't know if it was in the 90s or something, but it was, it sucked. Uh, it was bad. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, he never should have written, written songs. <laughs> anyway. Sorry if you're a Ringo fan. Yeah. But I, I can't even see it from a female perspective because he's definitely the ugliest of the four, too. Yeah. You know, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough. I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm a John Lennon fan, if you didn't know. Uh, obviously. Uh, shocker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Paul McCartney. I, I like it, but he's a little frivolous at times. <laughs> I don't know if this is a sign that we should start like oh, kind of boy. moving towards all right, the all right. end. Yeah. I, I was I was actually gonna ask you, is this a good time for you to talk more about the the course that you're putting together with Kelly over at her Ripple Out Retreats? Because I think this is Yeah, this might wrap it up. Yeah. This might wrap it up. So it's coming up pretty quick. This comes out on a Wednesday. We're starting on Saturday. We're gonna record the sessions. So if you hear this after April 18th. You can still join. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to keep it open. You can you can still join. And just you let can us catch know. up on the recordings. Yeah. This is the first time I'm doing it. And so I think you're getting an idea of what role typology has played in my life. And I've been a student of typology probably for the last five years, but it's very, uh, I've become... I've gone, I've gone really in-depth with it in the last three years. Oh, yeah. He's so in-depth. Like, it's it's just, like, years of digging. Just I, digging a lot. There's this is how in-depth I am. Is, uh, is I, I'm, today or yesterday I was struggling with this, but I'm going to do it. Is I'm buying a $50 book. <laughs> I can't get anywhere else. It's 50 bucks. It's, like, not even that big a book. But because it explores particular parts of typology that I, <laughs> I can't find anywhere else. So I have to... I'm, I'm taking a hostage. Anyway. Digging deep. Yeah. So I've spent the last three years really studying... Uh, typology, going back to kind of the philosophical roots of it and like where it comes from and slowly working my way through all the major contributors, starting with Carl Jung and even before him with Nietzsche and Goethe and some of the other philosophers and poets, and then moving its way into, you know, Myers-Briggs and then like more contemporary editions and perspectives on typology. So I've been going on this journey and it's been massively powerful for me it's been massively powerful for us it's been massively powerful for me as well like uh, as in in relationship with you as in and in my own self it's just been incredible I've, and, I've done a lot of work on it with kelly my business partner as well and i think she's seen a lot of benefit and i've been kind of uh just here and there kind of in an informal way working with people on typology whenever the interest and the opportunity comes up and then more recently, this last year, I've been starting to bring it into my coaching practice and into more of my professional work. Mm -hmm. uh, You've gotten really amazing results with it. Like yes. People are resonating with that approach. Yes. 
And what it does, what all this does, why, I mean, I think you get a, a slice of it here, but it goes much deeper than extroversion, introversion. And it's, it's a, it's a system and it's dynamic and it doesn't, you know, one of the people's fears when you talk about typology is that, oh, this is a way to like pigeonhole me, pigeonhole other people. It's going to limit me. It's going to tell me what I am. And that's it. Like, and I'm stuck in that. And this is, this is a lot of what typology is on the surface level when you look out there in the world or it's being used in a business perspective only. And so it stays at a fairly shallow level. There's a lot of depth to it. And when you look at it in a, in a more personal personal growth mindset perspective, it becomes a guide map for realizing uh, deeper potentials that we may not be aware of, for understanding how we communicate, for understanding some of the internal dynamics that are going on, and for how we relate with the world, and for learning how to be us. And that is, it gives you a, a really empowering perspective and a vocabulary a vocabulary to ask new questions and to explore things. And when you really get, when you really start to get it, it's not, it's not static. It's not this like stereotyping thing that you'll see if you go and look at memes of different MBTI types and they're like, oh, well, she loves a party and oh, he stays indoors all the time. It's like, that's kind of a parlor trick. And it's unfortunate because MBTI gets a bad name because of it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun to do. It's kind of fun to see yourself show up in in these kind of descriptions and be like, wow. And that can get people interested in the beginning. But underneath that is is a kind of, a system and a vocabulary, a way of looking at the world that can be extraordinarily powerful and, and incredibly dynamic. And, and it's really it's really there to help you explore the questions and to facilitate your own exploration of it rather than to tell you what you are. And it's, help, it's there to help you understand how you might relate better with other people too. It's not that great, actually, unless you're really well-versed in it. And I'm not even to this point. For It's really hard because it's fairly complex and dynamic to understand other people you're not going to go and start typing other people correctly and like be reading them you know what i mean like that's not really what it's really about understanding yourself and learning how to manage your energy and learning how to kind of relate with the world of ideas and thoughts as well as people and to appreciate the diversity of people if not Later on, you will, you can start to understand other people. I'm definitely getting to that degree with it. But in the beginning, it's really about understanding yourself. And maybe when it comes to other people, the major insight, and it's on a deep level, is realizing how different people are and realizing that your perspective is one of many and it's as true as others. And that really creates a certain uh, wonder, I think, in the world and also a humbleness, a kind of humility and it's really it's really exciting that you're putting this together because I probably have read two books on this and I consider myself pretty well versed in it. And that's mainly because Alistair has read dozens of books and just spat out the interesting pieces to me. So you're going to get a deal if you're joining this this program because you're going to get Alistair's kind of summary, introduction on it, which if you don't have that, it can feel so overwhelming. It can feel like a wilderness. Yes. And like I think what, we're, what Kelly and I are offering, Kelly's... Uh, co-partnering with me on bringing this out is we want to take you through it in a way where you can quickly relate it to your life. You can understand the key principles and start applying it and using it and see real like results. Because even, even just spending a little bit of time, like doing a workshop like this, you can get the low hanging fruit that can be well worth it. Well, well worth it. And, And so I kind of think of myself as a guide through what can be a pretty kind of, kind of crazy. There's, 
a lot of things to sort out. And there's, you know, not everything is cohesive, like there are competing ideas. And so I, the workshop is about guiding you through the basics of the system, helping you have an interesting perspective of it and why it matters. And then taking you through what I think are like the most important parts that are often not taught. They are often not taught in basic type and taking you through those like kind of significant parts that could have a major impact on your life and helping you explore that for yourself. So what the actual course is going to look like is for six weeks, we're going to do group calls. They're probably going to go about 90 minutes. We'll each do a, week. Each week. We'll do a little bit on explaining a part of type. We'll probably spend a lot of time in Q&A and just talking through it because I think that's the best way to really start understanding it is to see how it can be applied and connecting it to examples and all these things that are hard to do when you're just researching it. So we're going to do that. We're going to have an online learning community. It's going to be through Mighty Network. So it's going to be a private community where you can connect with others going through this work and where you can uh, get more support from us. Kelly and I will be on there. Uh, we're also going to give out, uh, I'm going to do a 30-minute one-on-one session with each person in the, in the workshop to help them clarify their type and to help them make sure they have the right type because part of this program is going to be helping you type yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be another big aspect of it. And we're going to match you up with a learning partner. So it's going to be someone else that's going through the program This way you can kind of work on it outside of the group setting one-on-one because really this is something that you have to be, you have to participate in. If you want to get the most out of it, you got to kind of grapple with it, play with it, work with it, build it, you know. It's tools, you have to use them. Exactly. And so we'll encourage you to do that with someone else uh, outside of group meetings and we'll provide some exercises um, that I think will be very fruitful to, to go through. So all of this all of this. And this is the beta version. This is the first time we're doing this. I'm really excited about it. I've been thinking about it for quite a while at this point. And we want to make it really accessible. We'd like everyone that's interested in this to be able to do it. So uh, we're charging a fraction of what what I expect I, I would charge for a workshop like this in the future. We're charging 325 bucks for the whole six-week program, the one-on-one, the learning environment. And uh, I think you're going to come out of it with an incredible amount of value, a lot of self-understanding, a lot of self-awareness, self-knowledge, and a model, some understanding of how to actually apply that to your everyday life. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the reason why you're doing this now is because this is a perfect time to dive into getting to know yourself. Everyone is stuck at home with themselves. Might as well just get to know that yeah. person. We have kind of this gift. We have, we have some time. A lot of us have time and we have the space to, to do this kind of deep work. And it's relevant to what we're dealing with right now, whether it's being with ourselves, relating to people in like very close environments, which yeah. can be tough, or also kind of reevaluating what matters in our life, right? I know that there's a lot of reevaluation going on in our, in right now. And so this can help you mm. understand your values at a fundamental level. And it can be very useful for that part of the process as well. Yeah. So if you're interested, definitely reach out to us. We're over on Instagram at the Far Out Couple. You can also reach out through Ripple Out Retreats. This is also on Instagram at Ripple Out Retreats. And you can send us an email the old-fashioned way. We like emails. Host at thefaroutpodcast.com. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I always love it when we have an opportunity to talk about introverts and 
get a chance to bash on extroverts a little bit. I hope as an extrovert, you also found a lot of value in this stuff. Yeah, we were trying to make it in a way that... Fairly objective. Yeah. As objective as two introverts can make a conversation about introverts. I was really trying to put myself in your shoes out there, actually. You did well. You did well. Me, not so much. <laughs> That's that to be expected. I, I will say some parting words for extroverts and introverts here. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you extroverts listening out there, I think this is an interesting opportunity. Like we're kind of forced in an introverted way, but you think there's an interesting way to think about this, which is it's very easy in an extroverted world to kind of more so than on the introverted side to just be extroverted all the time mm-hmm. and kind of ignore that introverted part of yourself. Mm-hmm. To because it's just, that's easy. It's it's easy to do in our world. Less so for introverts, I think. We're kind of forced to interact and that, but it can be easy to, to miss that part. And I think right now there's an opportunity, if you're an extrovert, to get to know the introverted part of you, mm-hmm. the other side of you that maybe you're not as familiar with and you don't make so much time for. And that's probably gonna feel awkward and a little difficult and kind of confusing but maybe relax into it a little bit, settle into it. And, and get support from Alistair on his workshop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe embrace it a little bit and maybe different parts of you that, that aren't so familiar might start showing up. Yeah. And that's kind of exciting because you're exploring different parts of you and as you start to develop a relationship with them, they'll be there for you. They'll enrich your life. If you're an introvert, what I would suggest is... Uh, Enjoy this time, buddy. Enjoy it. This is our time. Rise up. Rise up. It is kind of sad. The because dream life. It's happening. <laughs> it's finally. Happening. It's happening. It took a pandemic. It That's, took a pandemic. No a... one's going to see it, but this is your time to shine. No, no one's going to know, but like, enjoy it, buddy. Enjoy it. Because let me tell you, it's not going to last. <laughs> We're going to go back to an extroverted world. That's kind of the point, right? Yeah. You have to interact with other people. Uh, I don't know the point. I don't know. I don't know. But so enjoy your time in the sunlight by yourself. Yes, yes. We're right there with you. As always, if you would like to support this podcast, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy our episodes in general, if you enjoy us, because we're kind of nice and cool and we have interesting ideas. If you want to support the two introverts stuck in a house in Guatemala, all of that. There are three ways you can support the podcast you can share it with a friend. This one is a really good one to share with either someone you think is an introvert but doesn't know or someone who's an extrovert and needs a little perspective. Or maybe someone you have a little bit of conflict with in this like, kind of... Passive-aggressive way to resolve your conflict. <laughs> no, no, no. Like it's that. a way so you can bring it out in the open. Jeez. <laughs> I know, I know. So that's one way. The second way is you can leave us a review. Yes. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes and if you've been listening for a while and you haven't done it yet, because we know there's a lot of you out there. We, yeah. we have the numbers. We have tracking software. We know exactly who you are, where you live. Yes, yes. And all that stuff. Don't open the, em- the next envelope that comes from us. <laughs> <laughs> we can't send out mail. So, so if you don't want to be outed and shamed. Like <laughs> no, no. I'm just kidding. We won't do that. No, no but we'd love to have a review. It's always nice to read your words, honestly. Just that. Yes. Indulge. And it helps the podcast grow. And the last thing you can do is the best way really to support the podcast, although those are other two ways were awesome. But if you want to go the extra mile, supporting us on Patreon is really awesome because you get to support us as low as the $3 level and you get a shout out on the podcast. And most importantly, you get access to our exclusive content, which we've been getting really cool feedback from on uh, in the last couple of weeks so people are really enjoying what's going on over there 
We love you. We'd love to share that with you. And so. if you want to get into the Toodles tribe, there's an opportunity to do that at a yes. higher level. Yes. That's your ticket in. That the is, only way in. It's, it's an exclusive the, club. It's an exclusive club. Yeah. So head on over to patreon.com Help slash us. the Far Out Couple. Help us out. We need to buy a new tripod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next time. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.